All right, so this message, uh, such as it is, uh, the title, I, I got it on Thursday, but I got it because it was time to get the bulletin done, and I didn't have a clue what I was going to talk about today. So, so work in progress seemed like it would be appropriate for where I was. I didn't, didn't know what was going to happen, so it was an accurate title. Uh, just, I usually, it, my process is that I prepare on Monday, and then throughout the week, I'll adjust the message so that... Um, by the time I get to Sunday, I'm at least familiar with it. Um, so this week uh, was a little bit different for me. Uh, but I also find that I'm always, uh, you know, when I get in that place, I get very grateful to God because, you know, God had a plan, and he's a lot smarter than I am. So while I thought that I had a cool tongue-in-cheek reference to not being ready uh, for the message, that all changed as I went through annual conference this week and... Uh, so that's what led me to share with you what I'm going to share with you this morning. For those of you who are somewhat new or uh, to the United Methodist Church, we are divided into various jurisdictions. Those jurisdictions are divided into annual conferences. Those annual conferences are divided into districts. Those districts are all made up of local churches like us. So Arbor Point Church at West Jackson, us, is in the Gainesville District. There are 12 districts in the annual conference that we are in. We are in the Gainesville District of the North Georgia Conference uh, of, the, of the southeastern jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. So when you hear about general conference, you're hearing about that's all the worldwide church, and then the annual conferences are those of us who, like, we're in the North Georgia annual conference. And I need to make this point because I've heard this several times. It's like, well, we're the United Methodist Church, so we should be united. Well, yes, we should be united. We should be one as the Father and Son are one. But the name United Methodist has nothing to be united with, to do with really being united. It came from in the late 60s, the United, United Brethren Church merged with the Methodist Episcopal Church, and we became the United Methodist Church as we joined together. Unity is what, we're, what we need to be about, but please know that the churches may have had some struggles over the millennia we've been around, I'm not sure. Well, actually, I am. I'm going to preach on that today. So <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly how many churches are in, the, in, the, in our annual conference, the North Georgia Annual Conference. It's over 900 in total. Our conference stretches from rome Carrollton District in the northwest down to LaGrange all the way to Augusta, which sounds like, wow, that's a really big annual conference. And we are a very large annual conference in the sense of churches and membership and that type of thing. But in the sense of area, we're relatively small. For example, the Desert Southwest Conference is multiple states out west. Pacific, the, the, the Pacific Conference is Oregon, Washington, Idaho. I mean, so we're actually a small area with a lot of folks, which brings, anyway, which brings me back to our annual conference. Now, every year we meet, generally in Athens, and this year I have not looked forward to it um, because we're in really a disagreement over human sexuality, and the lead-up to the, this annual conference was really political. There were slates of candidates that were, who were for inclusive candidate group for the clergy and for the laity. There were slates of traditionalists that were put together and were, were given out so that we would know who to vote for, which, you know, so that was going on in advance, and so I was kind of like, am I going to a holy conferencing or am I going to a political gathering? You know, and that was a struggle for me. But that's just kind of where we are, right? It's, you know, there's a, a lot of disagreement, and we're trying to sort out our theological disagreements so that we can be the church. Because uh, we're trying to figure out what to do about that. 
And I overheard and read more than one angst-filled conversation or social media post about how the church was in trouble. The church is in trouble, don't you know? You know, I don't know how we're going to make it. So on Friday, I began to see what I needed to speak on for today. So let me take you to our, our first passage for today. It's out of Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. Saul, this is Paul before he became Paul, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. If you remember, he had that experience where he was, he was uh, struck blind on the way to Damascus. Jesus appeared to him, and it transformed him. So this is after that. He stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs about Jesus being the Messiah. After a while, some of those Jews plotted together to kill him, which is really interesting because he was the one who was persecuting the Christian church, and now they're, and, and it was actually at Stephen's martyrdom when he was stoned to death. Now the Jews <laughs> are going to kill Paul, who was one of those who, who, was, who was persecuting the church. So, so they were plotting to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him, but Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. And when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe he had truly become a believer. Of course not, right? He, just, he left there to go to Damascus to persecute the church. Now it's back, and oh, I don't buy it, you know. But then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told him, told them how Saul had, been, had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul, he also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul, soon to be Paul, had been persecuting the Christian church as it was starting out, and it was Barnabas who championed him and actually brought him in to meet with the apostles. He overcame their fear so that they could meet with Paul, and it's safe to assume that if you're going to stand up at that level, that Barnabas and Paul were close. You know, this is, you don't do that for an acquaintance. If you're going to you know, stand up at that level for, and, and vouch for somebody, then you know who they are. Barnabas and Paul were close, good friends in ministry. John Mark was Barnabas' cousin. You find that in Colossians 4.10. And on Paul's first missionary journey, this is the first journey that Paul and Barnabas went on. You can see that all the way that they went. And on that first missionary journey, John Mark went. He was, he was an assistant to Paul and Barnabas, but ended up leaving. He left when they got to Pamphylia. You can see it over here on the side across that water. So they got there, and John Mark went, I'm out. <laughs> I'm headed back to Jerusalem. And so he, they, he headed back. Not a big deal, right? Well, let's look at Acts 15. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit, right? You want to go back. This is kind of still our pattern of, of, it's, of strengthening our church and our mission. Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how they're doing. Barnabas agreed, but he wanted to take John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. And their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. 
Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's care. Then he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. So Paul and Barnabas, they were two friends in ministry. Barnabas vouching for Paul to the, other, to the disciples, the apostles, and they split and went their separate ways over John Mark. So I guess what I'm saying is that there have been disagreements and parting of the ways from the very early days of the church. Here's just a few groups that have come along over the millennia of the Christian church. The, the millennia of the church has been alive. And I know you can't read that. That's, I just want you to know there's a whole slew of them. You know, there's a whole, whole lot of them. But let me mention a couple of them. The Judaizers. These were Jewish believers who thought that the Gentiles needed to follow or at least partially follow the Mosaic law, that, that if they're going to be followers of Christ, and, and back then, you know, Jesus was Jewish, so the Jewish, Jewish Christian church was the beginning church. So if they're going to join us, then they need to get in line with what Moses said. And they, that group went away for the most part at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70. There were Gnostics, and there's a lot more to this. I'm not going to give you details on this, but they believed, among other things, that Jesus was never in the flesh, that he appeared to be human, but that they were very spirit-focused and knowledge-focused, and they declined around the 4th century A.D., though there are some strains that continue. See, in the early days of the church, we didn't know who Jesus was. For us, I mean, we've got a creed, and we got all... They didn't. They're like, okay, is... Who, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how does that work? Is that three gods? Is it three in one? How, how does all that come together? And this Jesus, was he only human? Was he only God? Was he God and human, as our understanding is now? And so they wrestled with that. And so all, a lot of this comes from that wrestling match that they had. And Montanism. Montanism was a, a, another group that came up. This is a different theological understanding. It was a charismatic, apocalyptic group. Uh, it lasted about 300 years. Manichaeism combined, kind of tried to bring together a lot of different religions. Brought Zoroastrianism, Buddhism, um, Gnosticism kind of together. They attempted to combine that. Uh, brought Islam in. They, they also are gone. Donatism was a holiness and purity movement, primarily noted for when you... Uh, uh, for the position that one giving communion must be pure or the blessing is not provided. Um, and the list goes on and on. There's Arianism, Nestorianism, Monophysitism, Pelagianism, Paulicians. There were many groups who had a difference in theology and moved in different directions. Most of these groups are gone. And I want you to hang on to that point because I think that's an important point for us this morning. So the Christian church was primarily founded as the Roman Catholic Church, right? That's who we were, founded on the rock that's Peter. And so the Roman Catholic Church is what we were known as in the early days. But the wealthy along the way began paying for their sins to be forgiven. It was called indulgences. And that created some problems, you know. I think the, the printing press meant that more people understood and were able to read for themselves. And so when that happened and people began to be able to question some of the things that they were being taught, there were some challenges that went along the way, and it triggered a movement of protest. Martin Luther, you may have heard of him, he wrote, he, he wrote 95 theses and ha hammered them on the church door at Wittenberg, Germany, and as in protest to what was going on in the Roman Catholic Church. So then the Protestant church... <laughs> The Protestant church was born as we separated from the Roman Catholic church. Now, 
You think, okay, so there's only two strains, right? Well, <laughs> Lutheranism, which was for, derived from Martin Luther himself, continues to this day. And any Lutherans in here? That's, there are some who come from the Lutheran church. Anabaptism, that means simply to baptize again. That movement, it's not Baptists. Those are a little different. Movement, <laughs> this movement believed that individuals that were baptized as infants needed to be baptized again as adults. Um, and the Amish come from this strain of Christianity. Uh, Calvinism, formed by John Calvin, and believing that, that, that God had already determined the fate of every man, that, that there would be elect, came in 1536, the Puritan movement, which you've probably heard about, kind of founded us here in the U.S., comes from that. The Presbyterian Church is Calvinist in theology. Baptists began in England, and they're kind of hard to nail down because there's a wide swath that the Baptists... Believe, but they began as, uh, with the belief that one needed to be immersed. Immersion was the way that you should be baptized. Immersed in water for the remission of sin. And that's, that baptism is still huge, but, you know, the believer's baptism that, that they have, they don't, they don't believe in infant baptism. They believe that that's christening, um, but that you need to be baptized at your point of when you, when you believe. Baptists have a real broad theological... Um, narrative to them. Uh, but it is safe to say that many fit in an evangelical theological framework. Wesleyanism, John Wesley came from the Anglican church. That's where our roots are. Uh, Modern-day Methodism comes from John and Charles Wesley. Uh, he, he was in, involved, I believe it was at Oxford, and uh, he had a club that met, and they were derisively called the Holy Club. And, but, but he was very much into personal holiness, that it is, we are responsible for our, for our own, for, for our, the work that we do in our faith, but also social justice, maybe not in the context of what you think in our current political world, but social justice in that that faith should be lived out by action in our community, and that's one of the reasons I'm Wesleyan, is I believe that absolutely, that we are responsible for our personal uh, holiness and taking care of that. We do it corporately, but also individually, but we need to be about being active in the world. Um, the Nazarene church and holiness churches come from that theological frame. And there have been many, many splits and fractures since then. Uh, one thing I looked up and, and read this week, there are over 2,000 denominations in the United States alone, that America has over 2,000 different denominations. So what am I getting at? <laughs> one, we have never gotten along very well. Do you know that? We just have never gotten along very well. I, I think that that's something that we need to understand, that we have struggled as a people. We're human. The second is God is not at all surprised by that. God is not going, oh, no, they're not getting along. I don't see God up there doing that. I don't think that he's, he's uh, lamenting. He might be lamenting some of that we fight with each other, but he's not lamenting the fact or not Lamenting that, that it happens because he knows it does. He also wants this. He still wants us to strive to be one as the Father and Son are one. I believe that absolutely. I think that he wants us to do the best that we can. You know, when Jesus was in the garden, right? What, was he, what did he want when he was praying to God there at the end? If this cup can pass from me, then please allow that to happen. Then what did he finish with? Nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. 
In that moment, you could make the argument that God was, or that Jesus was looking for, you know, is it, you know, if it's, I don't want to have to do this. But I'm going to do it because I am submitting to your will. See, we get wrapped up in what we want and we forget that where is God's will in this? And that's what bugged me about annual conference, I think, because it was really driven by political process instead of holy conferencing, you know. And that, that did bother me. And there's a passage of scripture I was going to, it was going to go out in the newsletter this week, but I don't think it, the newsletter went out this week. Um, so, but regardless of, of what you might hear or think, God still has things well in hand, and this scripture speaks to that. It says, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And he's ta- talking about that Jesus is the Messiah. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And catch this, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which says to me that the gates of humanity won't prevail against it either. That whatever's going on won't prevail against the church. The church is going to withstand disagreements of every kind. And, and it has, obviously, from, its, from the early days. If those disagreements are based in false understandings of God, that er, those early things, Montanism and Pelagianism and Arianism and all those kind of things, you know where they are now? Gone. Because if it's not of God, it will go. There was a rabbi, was it G- Gamaliel? who was asked, what should we do about these, these Jewish Christ, this Christian movement, the way? And he said, do nothing. Do nothing. Yes, do nothing, because if it's not of God, it will pass, and as it is of God, do you want to be in the way of it? You know? Those false understandings have gone. If the disagreements are based on our human inability to get along, but are focused on God, then we're going to continue to see these different denominations or non-denomination denominations because non-denominational is probably the biggest denomination that's currently out there being a denomination. So, um, but they're going to form and they're going to stick. So even from the, I want to point back to that first kind of split that we see, that of Paul and Barnabas. Yes, you could say it's very sad that two friends after a very successful mission outing would separate, that, that that would happen. Paul and Barnabas both wanted to follow God. They sought to honor him. They loved God, were called according to his purpose, which took me to Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, God takes our divisions, and he makes multiplication out of it. Isn't that crazy? You know, we, we want to divide, and he multiplies. Paul and Barnabas can't get along to go on this one trip, right? So what does God do? He sends them on two. Paul and Barnabas were going to go, and, and, and Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Paul says, no. How many people ended up going? Well, Paul went with Silas. Barnabas went with John Mark. One trip became two trips. Two people became four people. That's multiplication. God takes division and turns it into multiplication. Instead of one missionary, God makes four. So what's going to happen in the United Methodist Church? I have no idea. (laughs) I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen. I expect an even more contentious general conference than the special calls general conference. And by all reports, it was contentious. Um, I expect division. I expect arguments. I expect disagreement. Hear this, though. I also expect God to be there. And for those who are willing to 
to find God and to listen for God, I expect some things a little different. I expect reconciliation. I expect restoration. And I expect healing. Because God is God. And God is present. What does it mean for us at Arbor Point Church at West Jackson? I don't have the answer to that for the long term either. But I continue to hold firm, hold very firm, that we should love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, and that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. We should prove that through our actions. I believe that God would that all would be saved. And I, you know why I believe that? Because he said it in scripture. He said, I would that all would be saved. If God wants everybody to be saved, and, and by this point, if you've been around here very long, what does all mean? All. All means all. If that's where God wants his church to be, then that's probably what we ought to be about, right? There's people in this community who need the, the love of God and need to hear that Jesus is here and Jesus is with him. God is good. God is good. And this church that was founded by Jesus is going to stand forever. So this naysaying and this uh, this wringing of the hands, I got news for you. If the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us, then I'm not particularly worried about, about all of the disagreements that are going on right now. We are part of that church that Jesus established. That's who we are. The gates of hell will not prevail against Arbor Point United Methodist Church. Will not happen. Let me close with this from Reverend Dr. Rodrigo Cruz. This is from last annual conference. I love when he said this. I'd known Rodrigo for a little while. He said, when I joined the United Methodist Church, I didn't join to fight people over doctrine. I joined to fight Satan over people. You know? What if we get about fighting Satan over people? What if that's what we begin to do? What if that's our focus? We're not fighting people over... You know, God can handle the fights over doctrine. He's been handling it since the church was founded. He'll handle this one. God has things well in hand. What does that mean? It means, here's my questions for you, is what it means. Who do you need to love this week? Who do you need to love in the name of Jesus this week? Who do I need to love in the name of Jesus this week, right? Who do I need to encourage? Who do I need to lift up and help them to have a better day? Just, you know, let them know that God is with them. God is here. Whether they, they know of God or not is not the point. We get to love on people. That's what we're called to do. Love God. Love your neighbor, right? Prove it. You know, so, so that's what if we started to do that? Because Satan's going to use whatever Satan can use to try to divide and split us up and get us focused on anything except battling him over people. Let's battle him over people. God is seeking to draw this community and draw people in our, cir- in our circles into relationship with him. That's where we need to be focused. Don't let Satan. Let's not. Please, let's not let Satan take an issue or take a take something and and move it into a place that that pulls us away from what he wants us to be about, which is showing the love of God, loving God, loving our neighbor, and and getting into into our community in his name. Because the truth is, every one of us is a work in progress. So this message title turned out to be pretty appropriate. But the beauty is, God is with you and with me, And God takes works of progress, and he makes them something very, very beautiful. So let's let that happen.